Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hi everyone, this is Carol Topp from homeschoolcpa.com and welcome to the Homeschool Leader Podcast here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I recorded a webinar back in June, on June 1st, 2020. And this is now being recorded in September, three months later. The webinar was designed for homeschool leaders who were in a very difficult position trying to make decisions about their future, the future of their the programs and the groups they led in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of things had changed for homeschool groups. They couldn't uh, figure out if they would be allowed to meet in their buildings or if they had some certain health requirements, social distancing, mask wearing, sanitization, things like that. So the webinar was me and three other homeschool leaders who agreed to talk about the whole process of how they make decisions, what decisions they came to, and in June, how they were planning the future. So I have taken the highlights of that webinar and broken it into the six different podcast episodes, which will be kind of the highlight reel of the webinar. If you want to watch the webinar, because there are slides to go with it, as well as see the panelists as they're talking, you might enjoy that. Uh, It is available on YouTube. Um, You can uh, Google on YouTube, Homeschool CPA webinar, something like that. Or you can find it in the show notes to this podcast episode and the following podcast episodes. And you can always find the show notes over at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. And the look for podcast numbers 197 through uh, 202. And you will find the show notes there. I hope you find what the panelists say helpful as they talk about how they make decisions, answer questions from the audience, and in general, just get an idea of what other leaders do and how they run their organizations. Even if you're not trying to figure out an uncertain future like they were, and we still are here sitting in the fall, it's things are still very uncertain how they're going to play out in the next few months with the pandemic still raging here in the United States. But I think you'll just find it to be a very helpful webinar as many people have and have watched it and will benefit from it. So um, sit back, enjoy the highlight reel, or go check out the whole webinar. It's uh, available to you at no charge at all, uh, just to my way of helping homeschool leaders run their organizations as successfully as they possibly can. Let's go on and talk a little bit about some tools that maybe your group can use for planning. Although the panel has already shared some great tools like bringing in expert advice and um, trying to reach consensus and listening to everybody's views and things like that. Um, When we're faced with the unknown, it's usually helpful to draw up different scenarios and your board might draw up a best case, a worst case, and a most likely case. Although like Amanda Campbell in Rhode Island was saying, we really don't know yet what what we're facing. Uh, Or you might just want to say option one, option two, option three, you know, whatever you want to call those things, but come up with different options. That's one way of making decisions. It's actually, you know, different plans, more time consuming than just saying you have one plan, you might have three plans, depending upon 
um, best case, worst case, most likely case. Um, another tool I want to show you that uh, was used a lot when I was in homeschool leadership, and I use it still a lot in my personal life, is called a decision matrix. You can find this over on my website, homeschoolcpa.com slash decision matrix. I just posted a, a blog post about it where I share the spreadsheet, but the idea is if you have different options, and, and here it's a homeschool group trying to decide what activities they can do in the fall, um, you know, field trips, support group meetings, something new like a, like a matching or a mentoring program, co-ops, online classes. Those are different activities they're thinking about offering. And then they put down the rows the criteria of how they're going to determine if this particular option is a good one or not. And they have different criteria and your criteria will be different, but I appreciated so much what Amanda Sillen was saying is top of the top of the criteria is the health and safety of your family. So one of your first decision criteria in this time period might be, is this activity have a low risk of spreading a virus? And another, in another time, that wasn't even on our radar, but now it is. There might be other criteria. And then you rank them and you score them with numbers, add up the numbers and see how they come out. So this tool is helpful because it's very visual to, to see and weigh things. It takes out some of the, um, the personal agenda or the um, uh, subjectivity of it makes it a little more objective. I think I've got those defined right. But anyway, it takes out some of the some of the emotion is what I'm saying. It's it's a very um, you know visual and mathematical way to come to a decision. In this case, the in-person co-op classes score the lowest because they have you know they scored so low on the first and most the criteria of um, spreading disease. They score very low there. Makes sense, right? Um, you can change this up a little bit if you want to. And again, over at homeschoolcpa.com slash decision matrix, you can get the spreadsheet, change anything on it you want, including the um, criteria. But you could put a weighting factor because you know not all these criteria are equal. You know, maybe being uh, popular with members should not be equal to um, ease of finding a location, right? Or the low risk of spreading the virus, right? So in this particular case, you can give it uh, any of these criteria different weights based on how important your board thinks they are. And you might come up with different decisions, different scoring and things like that. Um, unfortunately, in this case, you know, the in-person co-op classes still lose, but you know, what looks really popular is a matching program, matching experience moms with newbies, okay? Because it just scores high on so many factors. So anyway, I'm not gonna talk much more about that. You can go to the website and see and try to use something like this tool to help you decide between different alternatives in a less emotional way than everybody just stating their opinion. I found it very helpful. All right, back to our panel. Sorry, I gotta find these things. Let's talk about, uh, if you want to, you've already shared a little bit, but best, worst, most likely cases or any tools like that decision matrix your board might use. Amanda Campbell in Rhode Island, let's start with you this time. Do you have anything like this that your board has found helpful? Um, it's funny, when you first published this the other day, one of my board members who um, isn't uh, very into numbers and charting shared it with all of us. And another one who is was like, <laughs> I love these. <laughs> so we'll use it. I mean, and I have an engineering well. background. That's why. That's my. That's the engineer in me coming out. So, so 
<laughs> it's fun. So it gets used in our board. Some some people have more value for it than others. <laughs> but those sorts of things do get used. Um, and that's what's really cool about having a board of really diverse women is that we each bring something really different and help each other see things differently, which is cool. Um, best, worst, middle, I don't know, a miracle is the best. <laughs> and poof, somebody has a you know, magic wand. I don't know. You know, best case would I don't know how it could ever be possible, but it would be to go right back to our, it, last year was our biggest, most productive um, year. We, you know, we were, we were running four co-ops in four locations. Like we, we named them as campuses, like with different places with very different themes and really successful um, performing arts program for the first time. So that would be lovely to have again. <laughs> Um, I don't think it's in our future for a year, but I do think it's important that we hold it as as the future. Like we'll we will get back to that, and we have the resources and we have the interest and the volunteers to make it happen when we can. Um, you know, we spent the last two years both financially and energetically putting a lot into building an amazing preschool program. We We've had a very big surge in never want a school families who, when they have three-year-olds, are clear that they want to homeschool. And um, so we sort of invested in that. And that we've been talking about is one of the things that we really have to sort of put away. It goes to your point earlier, Carol, about it's okay to not be able to meet everyone's needs. I have I have an almost five-year-old, and watching over the last three months little kids try to connect over zoom first it's cute <laughs> and then it's not <laughs> and then they just don't want to engage they're not capable really and um so yeah it's sad to say oh we have these families who um either it's like mine is the youngest or and you know the stuff for the bigger ones or their new fem members who really want to be active and involved in a lot of energy that we're just not going to be able to meet their needs for a little while but that'll change um so worst case is nothing happens and i mean the truth is that that could be our reality we we could make the decision and we've been tossing around what if we have no in-person programming till the new year? Um, the facilities that we mostly rent are boys and girls clubs. So they will probably be used as secondary childcare. The school here might not fully open in the fall. And so places, the places that we rent are, are gonna become backups to the school Plus, they have um, DCYF requirements around how they have to clean before kids can come in, which are now even more stringent because of COVID. So they don't look really possible. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about, well, okay, this is more of the likely category. What if we do some outside Everybody gets their picnic blanket eight feet away from each other. You got your masks on and we play charades. I don't know, right? Like <laughs> something connect. Um, 
and you know that that's a likely thing but we still get stuck with things like the number of people who can gather in one space and also um bathroom facilities how do we manage that um so uh i think you know that's our like best case is magic worst case is and I say worst case is nothing, but it's not really nothing. Because if we choose that, if that's the route we go, we will do other things. We will find ways to connect more virtually. Um, and we, we talk about that a lot too. You know, we don't want to put our energy or our efforts into becoming something else like out school. We don't have to spend our time or technology to do that. But to meet the real needs of both our mission and our members is how do we make help families connect and meaningfully connect um, during a time where there's no other way to connect. And we've been talking about small pods too in that likely category is how do we, this sounds a little silly, but I don't know how else to say, we're just talking about how do we be like match.com for our families? Like how do we help our families find other similar families who then can trust each other for let's say three months to only meet with themselves um sort of like expanding your quarantine circle a little bit right mm -hmm. um so that's one of the likelies that we talk about as well um so we wouldn't necessarily be hosting we're putting them under our umbrella to meet, but if we can help our families connect and do, meet their needs in that way, that's those are also some of our likely middle ground ideas and great. things we're talking about. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Okay. That's a lot of food for thought. Angela Taylor in Texas, talk to us about maybe some of the scenarios you've you've talked through and maybe some tools you use for planning if you have them on your board yes and uh, well i'm just going to jump right to most likely because most likely it's what's going to happen <laughs> uh, most likely we're going to uh just have classes as normal it'll just have lower attendance and we're going to have to focus really hard on cleaning protocols and um just good hygiene really at our co-op that's that's what's most likely going to happen um, as far as us meeting together in the fall. Uh, some of the planning tools that we're kind of putting together just in case there's a worst case scenario, but also that will just kind of set us up for future success is uh, we applied to be able to have the um, Google uh, education suite the Google, the G Suite for education. Um, so we've got that set up because that was something we didn't have before going into this. We had always used Zoom um, because we have online classes apart from our regular co-op days. So uh, we set that up so that there's just a easy way for everybody to communicate in one place because that was something that we weren't prepared for before. We had teachers who were doing a great job communicating as much as they could, but they were communicating all over the place. It was like Facebook message or email or to the website or just all over and parents were really having a difficult time keeping up with the communication. So um, we'll have that set in place for the fall where everything is in one place. Uh, other than that, um, we've, like I said, we'll continue with Zoom, worst case scenario, or um, even so one of the things that we are doing is that uh, because we put in strict a strict uh, sick policy, a stricter sick policy than what we've had in the past. 
uh, we're going to ask our teachers in our core classes to live Zoom their classes in class as the day is happening, just for our core classes. So that way parents don't feel like they have to send their kids sick or they send them because they just really need to get that geometry class in um, and they don't want their kids to fall behind. They'll be able to watch the class um, from home. So we're going to try that, see if it works um, and you know revise if it doesn't, but that's, what, that's, that's a plan. Great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Amanda Sillen, what would you like to encourage leaders with about how you make up scenarios? Yeah. Um, so, you know, best case is probably not going to happen. Worst case is probably not going to happen. So what's most likely? And um, we just really looked at trying to accommodate. We're going to have, this is going to be around for a little while. Um, and we want to make sure that we're doing what we can to keep everybody safe and healthy. Um, we did look at the Ohio guidance. I saw a comment by Darren Jones of HSLDA. So I was super happy to see that about the Ohio guidelines and um, basically just asking about, you know, what they said. I would be happy to send him a copy of them uh, so he can give me his uh, perspective on it. But um, I'm pretty sure that Ohio is exempt as re religious groups and entities. It specifically says religious groups and entities. So that's one of the things that we use as our planning tools was that guidance from the state of Ohio um, and from the CDC with our school nurse. That was something that we used for us. That really does look, you know, a lot like Texas. We're doing more frequent cleanings. We're doing smaller classroom sizes. Um, we did have to look again at our policy on illness and there are a couple extra things um, that is being recommended in Ohio as far as like asking um, if people have a fever or things like that or if you've had a fever asking um, people to affirm that they haven't traveled out of the state things like that um, and then uh, we had to write a policy about refunds you know because if you get halfway through a semester and um, we have to stop classes. When would we refund and when would we not refund and what does that look like? So we really just kind of had to consider uh, all of those different aspects. That's great. Very helpful. Um, our, our, level, our lovely uh, moderator of the chat room is telling us there are some questions popping up, especially uh, when Angela mentioned G Suite. So let me tell you, if we don't get to your question or it's not having to do with you know, planning an uncertain future like G Suite. Angela's part of the I Am a Homeschool Group Leader on Facebook. She'd be happy, I'm sure, speaking for you, Angela, but post your question on the Facebook group and, and other uh, leaders or Angela can pop in there and try to answer those kinds of questions not really related to what we're focusing on tonight, okay? So folks, there's another vehicle for you to ask those kinds of off-topic questions. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.